0: here finally is it oh there we go i always feel very very old when i'm trying to start the stream because sometimes it doesn't go and i had to do it three times and i was like oh boy and so i just i'm like grandpa I'm trying to get the damn vcr work let's go what where is this oh no embarrassing but i am old i'm a boomer you can call me that I'm Boomy Boomy Boom Boom. I'm a Big Boy Boomer. I remember I remember when VH won. I remember when MTV showed videos. Can you believe that? Yeah. I was right about the World Series. I said the Dodgers, and that made sense because like, they've been so cursed, right, in the last few times they've gotten to the playoffs that what better time for them to win than in the most cursed season? Like that is an asterisk season. I got to say that seems like a, that seems like bad hoodoo. Feels like bad hoodoo. No thanks. So, I was thinking today about how much how Donald Trump is a genius. I talked about it a little bit on the show we just recorded. Uh, and I think it's a good one. But There's a lot of talk about, like, Trump's murder dumb, and I think when you're talking about, like, the stuff that you're supposed to be, uh, that you're supposed to be doing when you're president, traditionally, like, the job is theoretically supposed to contain, no, he doesn't care about that stuff, and so it doesn't matter. Trump, I mean, if genius is the ability through application of will and ability, shape the world... The, into some warped version of the world of the way you want to see it. Like that's, I, I would say the genius is when you are able to grab reality through some application of some ability, mental or physical, and some skill and some just in a deep, bottomless desire and drive towards it. A combination of those things is genius, as we define it. That's how I define it, anyway. And Donald Trump is a genius. Who applied his genius to the singular task of being famous? I and mean, if you want to get simplistic about it, it's because his dad never loved him. And honestly, that seems cliche, but you know, a lot of the times it can be that simple. I mean, when you see his pathological lifelong need to be recognized by others because of an in of an, of this re- hugely indulged ego that centers a complete absence and a terror of of. Uh, of being bad, of being insufficient, of being unloved, and madly he seeks, through his whole life, to have people talking about him, reflecting well on him, so that he can fill that hole. And he drove himself towards the goal, the singular goal of being famous. However it happened, was incidental. Like, he wasn't a genius at business, he was a very bad businessman, but he didn't have to be good at business. In fact, his business plan was being famous. He got so famous that once his ability to uh, actually manage businesses was revealed to be non-existent and he started going bankrupt, his name was too valuable to let him actually lose any of that fucking uh, position or or equity, because if he didn't own it, well then who the hell did? And then debts get called in and the whole thing falls apart. And so his name became this thing that could also be used as a money laundering front. And then he also became, was able to drive himself towards becoming an actual game show host. And that's why he's president. And then he ran for president because somebody's, he was being talked about but in a negative way. And it drove him crazy. He needed to drown out that negative thought. And he did it by running for president. And he wasn't trying. And what I'm trying to say is that Donald Trump is a genius because this man who doesn't know or care about any traditional element of becoming a politician, either from the point of view of having a political philosophy, caring about anything politically one way or the other, having any, any coherent political beliefs at all, and then trying to apply them to any subject from economics to civics, ethics, anything, nothing. Uh, uh, and then also just like the, the job of being a politician, of, of like conforming to sort of the, the media uh, 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 ecosystem in such a way that you like maintain homeostasis, you don't create too much sparks and, and tension and, 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 uh, and hostility. the way that you're able to stay under the radar and stay, stay viable uh, by massaging, you know, all the instincts, the, all the stuff that goes into being a politician or a policymaker of any kind uh, or a human being he puts no effort into. Singular pursuit of fame meant that he became president by accident. He did a thing that some of the brightest minds of American history have sought with their entire body and spirits. Many of them have been dashed against the rocks of their own ambition. Others of them, few of them have miraculously made it to the ascent, to the top. All of them powered by this gnawing need to be uh, the president. Trump just wanted to be the most famous person in the world, and that just met and eventually led him to by definition becoming the president of the united states who is generally the most famous person in the world so he wasn't trying to be president he was trying to be most famous person in the world and by seeking that so successfully and singularly he accidentally became president so Trump's not stupid what's stupid is any system that could produce that result any system that would create a political structure that would incentivize and and uh, and select for being psychotically good only at getting drawing attention to yourself, but we bungled that. And that ship sailed. But I honestly think Trump's done for. Uh, and today, the real, honestly, more than any polls I've seen, and there have been some really eye-dro- eye-dropping ones, or eye-popping ones, one that showed that Trump is uh, Trump won people who said they disliked both candidates by almost 20 points in 2016, and right now people who say they dislike both candidates prefer Biden by almost that much. Like, those are the late breakers. And the late breakers last time went incredibly far for Trump, way out of proportion even to, uh, to historic trends. That's not going to happen this time, almost by definition, because he's the incumbent. And, and traditionally, incumbents uh, uh, are not the choice of late breaking voters. Like breaking voters tend to break against incumbents. And then you have the fact that Trump is, uh, people dislike him more than they dislike Joe Biden. Unless you're a real psycho Trumpist, you don't really hate Joe Biden. And honestly, do they even really hate Joe Biden? He's Sleepy Joe. They have to make up the idea that he's a puppet of Antifa, but most people don't think that because he's Sleepy Joe. So they don't even really hate him enough to like drive it uh, successfully. And yeah, the COVID spike. I mean, it was predictable. People all said, brace for a second wave in, in the fall because that's how these things work. And yeah, here it is. I mean, we never got th- it. It's our third wave because... We, unlike a rest of other a lot of other countries, allowed a they never really ended the first wave, created like a second wave of the summer. That's the real Trump difference. Is that, and you might honestly though, if it turns out that we end up having this thing for years, and we end up somewhere near here like actual herd immunity, just by incompetence and inability to, to do anything else, uh, it ended up might not be a difference. Like this, you're gonna have the same number of dead, just like maybe different names. But if there is some sort of Biden-COVID plan that's going to turn us around, uh, then I'm sure we'll see that. But the thing is, voters, even if they don't believe that's going to happen, they're going to pick it. They're going to pick not this, because they know this isn't working. Unless you already buy into Trump premises, this isn't working. But anyway, uh, the real nail in the coffin for me, more than any of the polls, uh, is... The court ruling, specifically the one today by uh, a federal court ju- judge who is one of the most nakedly partisan uh, just, uh, judges on the federal bench, rejecting uh, a, a Republican Party uh, uh, injunction request to have 100,000 plus uh, Harris County votes invalidated because they were collected at a, at a drive through uh, location instead of a, a fixed polling place uh classic absolutely uh uh fraudulent basis like prima facie ridiculous but that doesn't matter and the the judge today the last hope of this thing he shot it down and to me this is confirming what i suspected which is that there is now no question that the uh the apparatus exists within the federal government, specifically within its judiciary, and uh, its currently aligned uh, state legislatures in key swing states, that if there is anything like a close election, the Republican Party has an, a veto override on the outcome. I, I think that's true. With Coney, Coney 2020 on the bench, uh, I think it is, they have that. The only question is, when would they press that button for Trump? And I say the answer is, they wouldn't. Okay, I'm back on. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I've not been redacted. But I did lose my train of thought. What was I saying? Shit. Oh, uh, why they're not going to go out? uh, uh, There's two... uh, It's essentially a question of how much they'll they'll be willing to stick their neck out. How much they're willing to break norms now as i've said all norms will be broken if they have to be but it is like an emergency type situation and will people in power in the republican party specifically in this judiciary and in these state legislatures where there's not as much scrutiny like not no one of them is ever going to lose their job because they failed to stop biden from winning people will just get mad at the deep state and the media and stuff and they'll get and they will not blame the dop for allowing it to happen uh i really don't think so so they have the freedom to, to operate off of their self-interest as members of a party clique, which is they are what they are, which are independent from the interests of Trump and Trumpism, which is entirely based on his personal, uh, 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 not even political objectives, but personal like mood objectives. And that there's no reason that they would want to have to spend being the party in power during a giant recession and continued COVID crisis. Dealing with this guy's ego is the sole basis for party policy. Especially since they got what they wanted out of them, Judiciary locked up. The veto in place. If there ever comes a point, like say Bernie was on the ballot this time, and it was closer for some reason, and there's a few jump states, they would press that, they'd mash that button. You wouldn't even ha- it wouldn't be a question of people mashing it. Everyone would come spontaneously to the decision, the self-interested decision, that this is what we're going to do. Just like there didn't need to be a big plan before, uh, before the 2000 election, as soon as that ball got in the air and it was tipped, they just, everyone knew what to do because everyone knew what the stakes were. At least the Republicans. Of course, the Democrats weren't doing that. The Republicans instantly knew what the stakes were. And that's all you need, is everyone understanding the stakes and moving towards those ends at the same time. Then you have a spontaneous judicial coup. And that will happen. But I don't think it's going to happen in this election. One, because I don't think it's in it for in it for the average Republican judge or Republican legislator for Trump to win, really. Especially at the, at the risk of deepening a political crisis that might eventually snap back in their face. Of course, there's no real reason to fear the current Democratic Party, but you can't guarantee what's going to happen in even the median term, considering how deeply cr- deep the crisis is. I mean, some of these people know that. But the other one and the other one is that I don't think it's going to be close enough. You would need to have like three or four... The idea that's all going to come down to Pennsylvania, I just... If that's the case, polling is not a thing anymore, and maybe it isn't. But I think you need extraordinary evidence to make a claim. So I'm going to hold off and say, for now, since I'm only predicting, and this is why predicting things is stupid, like, it's an if-then situation. If polls are broken, then Trump will win. But, like, well, are they? I don't know. No one knows. You can't know. It's insane. But, yeah, predicting stuff, I talk about how, like, arguments online exist just to be had and some in some cases, I think people are aware of that at some level, and I think I hope people are aware at some level that like people predicting who's gonna win that that is purely ornamental speech, uh, but I don't know the way people get invested in it and the way that like they're signaling something by which uh thing they're predicting and how that speaks to their like overall credibility and whatever, even though you're just talking about a snapshot of a moment and there's so many variables that nobody can have confirmed until we get some actual results. It seems like you're uh, you're putting your you're demanding too much of this as an emotional uh, load star of conversation and, and and concern about investing ideas about who it is. I speak for myself, but I, th- I see a lot of people stressing about this stuff. And I usually I've tried not to do too much of it, but it is literally tomorrow, so I'm kind of psyching up because I'm going to have to talk about it a lot. And then one way or another. I think there's going to be a big... It's really interesting. So we're not going to get catharsis, no matter what happens. No catharsis. But I also don't think an explosion. But I also don't know if we can continue the level of pitchiness without an explosion. I think the only way to square that circle is if there's some sort of just... A thwarted orgasm, ruined orgasm, as they say in the internet... And just sort of like a a refractory period? I don't know. I just think everyone's still going to be miserable and tense. There's not going to be any kind of exhalation. But I was also, like, even if Trump wins, there's not going to be some apocalyptic confrontation with the state. Even if Trump does a coup, there's not going to be that. There's going to be hyper-normalization. But how do we assimilate that at at considering the level of uh, tension? And the fact that people are literally running out of money. Let running out of money. So there's a real material wick burning away in the background of all this cultural uh, frenzy that the election is provoking. And that's the thing that's really driving it. Like that's the actual engine. And it doesn't appear to be uh, that there's any chance that it's going to be extinguished before it hits the fucking uh, pile of dynamite. Lame Dump Trunk will be very fun. Lame Dump... Lame Dump Trump lame duck Trump will be funny, very funny. Uh, I honestly think that if it's within, if it's around nine or ten points, which I think is really reasonable at this point to think of as a, in term, uh, uh, of a uh, popular vote gap, I think even with states not declaring right away, I don't think Trump's gonna have anything like the ambiguity in the air to even get the wheels spinning, especially when you see these early decisions, uh, kind of setting the tone, um, but he and so he's going to give it a go, I think. But the thing to remember about Trump, the most fundamental facet of him, is that he is a coward, which means that as soon as there is a bit of resistance, he will crumble. As, as soon as he makes a half-assed like uh, request to like the Joint Chiefs, uh, and then they re- they rebuke him, he will shrivel up like a fucking turtle dick. The famous turtle dick simile. Yes, I've got turtle dicks on the mind because I'm always not far from thinking about Mitch McConnell. I, it would be funny if he like literally crumbled into dust as soon as uh, the new Congress is inaugurated. Like he just he willed his body to stay together long enough to get uh, the, the judiciary completely zipped up for a generation, and then he just transcended the physical fucking realm. Am I not, sir, at long last, turtly enough for the Turtle Club? Sir, I ask you, have you no sense of turtlehood at long last? I mean, people are going to go a little nutty. That's going to be interesting. Uh, but I see the vast majority of these suburban warriors. Everyone's kind of deciding to freak out about. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to do anything. There might you might see some uh, some of those awesome like protests, like where they drive onto the road and just park their cars. Just perfect. Like you can hey go to the drive-in and get a fucking uh, get a, get a soda and a burger and then just sit there and honk your horn what, they're they going to storm uh, state houses? They're going to raid armories? No, they're not going to do any of that. A couple of their more unbalanced kids might do some sort of uh, Elliot Rogers shit, but that's, at this point, that's just a background radiation of American life. And then, of course, you got to factor in domestic gladio, but I honestly think, for at least a little bit, I think that the powers that be are going to try to tramp down like, tamping up was good for a while. It was especially good when Bernie was going on. Tamping up was good. But now, especially, especially considering how high it got, they're going to want to tamp down a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Gladios got turned down. Although, instead of... Uh, or the Gladios get busted more. And you get just a bunch of uh, fake FBI entrapment stings like the one they did in Michigan to justify uh, like the state and and, like, turn the left around on, uh, on the deep state, basically. C- because, hey, we live in reality, and these institutions are the only thing standing us between us and the ravening mob. The fascist hordes. I'm sorry. We have to corral them. It'll be very interesting to see how Q metabolizes a Trump loss uh you, at this point i'm sure most of them are too far gone to consider that oh no maybe this was a dumb idea i think some of them will because you know not everybody's at the same level of commitment and of an imaginative you know an emotional uh uh identification and transference to it you know like people internalize concepts like cute at a point where it's like an identity and once that's the case nothing can change it because it's too fundamentally existentially terrifying because if you're not that, what are you? And that's a question that most people don't want to answer. So it will have to, for some good chunk of these guys, it's going to have to be turned into something else. And it'll be very interesting to see. Like, uh, Trump is occluded? Is he Is he going off to, to summon God's angels and commence like a righteous... like, wait for the sign of his return? I think that stuff might be... I mean, if it is just a modern day gloss... On the 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 evangelical Christ story, then it would make sense that it would it would culminate with like a a a figure who essentially becomes the Messiah, like Trump is no longer just because you know for for Christians right for self-identified Christians their leaders are their ideas of Jesus you know and that's one of the big reasons that people said that's so hypocritical for them to love Trump so much but they view Trump as like this embodiment of uh, like this. Embodiment of, of all the, the that is worldly and corrupt, but who has like a, a godly soul, which is of course the fate of all Christians who know deep down that they live debauched and uh, fallen lives, that they uh, are totally slaves to the flesh, slaves to the lives they have, that they don't really have a spiritual sense at all, uh, and that they but they seek to transcend that that shadow knowledge, and Trump going into occlusion basically. Him, him stepping down for power can become some sort of passion play uh, that you know will presage a, a redemptive uh, uh, resurrection that will then finally abolish the distinction between the world of matter and the kingdom of heaven. So I'm looking forward to it if that happens. It'll be fun. Uh, everyone has such opinions about daylight savings. I can't. I can't seem to care. I don't know. I I like the fallback. I like the extra hour. I know people don't like that it gets dark early, but that doesn't really bother me. It's not like abolishing the penny, which I am much more passionate about. It's just a symbol of how the the like the the built the dependency bias. Of like a large bureaucratic state is genuinely uh, infuriating. It's one of those things that you need to have like democratic controls on the mechanisms of state to prevent. Like when it comes down to it, the reason we still have pennies is because there are more people who are more uh, deeply invested in the production of pennies than there are people who are even aware of like pennies as a stupid thing that we shouldn't have. Like because the it's essentially I think the copper lobby or something wants to maintain demand is a lobby that keeps the bucket, that makes sure nobody even comes near the penny. And who's going to make the penny their priority? And that's what you would need. You'd need enough people to have make the penny their priority, to make it a litmus test of involvement in government or politics. And that's just not going to happen, because who is what is the vested capitalist interest in not having the penny? And since there isn't one, it'll just continue forever. And that is a small, silly example, but it, it it's this rolling ball of of gunk. That fills every piston of governance, and you know, people say that that's a, that's like, oh, that's bureaucracy. That's the nature of the state. Well, no, in this case, in, in, in a lot of cases, it's the nature of capitalist capture of the state, like the specific interest capture. That's part of the broader, you know, assimilation between. Like, ideally, I think from the from the liberal model of the state, not the way it is, but the way they theorize it. Is that yes, you know, they will admit maybe if you really corner them. I mean, all right, yes, liberal, the liberal uh, government, liberal uh, bourgeois government, it really is the executive committee of capitalism. But I'm a liberal. I think capitalism is good. And if we're going to have it, which we should, we should have it integrated into a system of democratic check that can prevent the colliding and uncoordinated. Uh, short term interests of specific capitalist concerns from leading to a accumulation of, uh, of um, inefficiency and, and, conflict and waste more than anything uh, that essentially make the government no longer functional either and, and, and turn eventually government towards the specific uh, uh, interests or perceived interests of a smaller section of capital that maybe doesn't know what the fuck it actually does want. Maybe it, because it cannot see beyond the end of its nose. And it brings the whole edifice down. And they would say, "No, we don't want that. We want, we want, uh, we want a, a seamlessness there between the interests uh, and and a and checking the emergence of like specific uh, capital formations taking power over the overall, you know, mechanism of government." And conservatives point to that and say, "No, look, this is bureaucracy. This is bureaucracy. This is this is the doom of the liberal. Uh, cons- uh, 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 this is the doom of the liberal conception of state." And liberals' only real response is, uh, "No, we got to just get rid of the corruption." But it's like, "Well, where? How? If the whole system is powered by money at every point, and it is just a piston response system of industries, uh, you know, engaging with industries and, and capitalist individuals in firms and such." Uh, and individually, like interacting with the government and producing outcomes that they want for themselves, Uh, eventually, wherever there's more concentration of capital, there's going to be more concentration of influence, and that means there's no way to have the system that you're imagining you can have unless you eliminate profit, and you eliminate capitalism from the mechanism, and you clear that out of the, of the, uh, the pistons of the state bureaucracy. So oh, that's like a, a, a central right-wing critique of like the liberal project. And once again, as with all these things, the finger points backward. It's not crony capitalism; it's capitalism. Capitalism becomes crony inherently, no matter what kind of uh, equal uh, playing field you're starting from. And of course, you're never starting from one. It just accumulates pockets that then uh, self-deal. So that even your li- even your I- uh, idealized liberal state will not be able to prevent specific interests from overwhelming any generalized interest because remember the liberal idea is sure yes it's capitalism it's it's the it's the executive board of capitalism but capitalism is just the accumulated choices of people that's the liberal idea it's like the, yeah of course the market should be the, the total thing because the market is the expression of choices of people and therefore, what they want to do is what should be done, and therefore the state should just coordinate it and make sure that it's, it can exist within like a, 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 a safe space of like market transaction. But even on its own terms, it fails because of the unequal distribution of uh, capital within industries and within interest segments and demographics that buckle it and turn it even away from your idealized notion of a general will that is expressed through the market transactions you got to get rid of the profit you got to get rid of the capitals you have to dist- you have to socialize the surplus you have to socialize the surplus I would love to be an admiral. Someone said, "General Will, Admiral Matt." What was the other one? Who is Felix going to be? Colonel? Colonel? Yeah, he's a, he's like a those ops guys. You know, they don't want to be on a desk, so they're not generals. Generally, maybe a captain even. I'm definitely an admiral. I'm not really cold, it's in the 40s, it really is, I run hot anyway, and I grew up in the frozen wastes, so I generally don't get very cold. Can you see my breath? But, um, I gotta say, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen in the coming weeks and months. And I've decided, and it's going to be a little bit because I've made a few commitments I now realize, you know, uh, in the immediate going on some other shows to talk about what I think is going to happen. I'm really hoping, though, that, like, after sort of getting it out of my system following this, you know, this specific pageant that we all get psychically fixated on every two years or four, depending on your level of intensity of worship. Um... Oh yeah. I'm gonna stop trying to predict anything because without the election coming up, there's nothing to peg it on. It's all vaguely in the future, and so there's less of a pressure to specifically opine on things going to happen. So I'm going to try as much as I can. I'm going to make a conscious effort to reduce my amount of predicting things because it really is—it's uh, catnip. It's—it's—it's a—it's it's a. It's a uh, it's an analgesic for the brain. People are saying, is Chapel going to be funny under Biden? I honestly think it's going to be a whole new... I know this is self-serving, but if Biden wins, there's going to be some hijinks. Because, like, he's going to be president. You know? His brain is jelly. He is so out to lunch. And in a completely different way than Trump is. Which means we're not going to get, you know... It's not going to be as boring. It's just very funny. And then the fact that they're going to have to dress up whatever, like, uh, monstrous neoliberal regime they're going to do out in, like, uh, like inclusive woke language and the army of people who are going to try to do it on its behalf. And the number of people who are going to go from, like, prison abolitionists to, like, talking about working within the system and understanding, like, what the realm of the possible is. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be finger-looking good. Seriously, there're gonna be so many people who who couldn't support Bernie because he didn't—he was like against—he wasn't for reparations or some bullshit—are gonna be fucking bending over backwards to defend this old white man imposing this austerity, uh, authoritarian neoliberalism. It'll be, it'll be, worthy fodder for japes and amusements. I think. way they're gonna like have kamala out there to try to like remind people hey there a few, it's not it's not it's not this old skeleton there's a new pot there's a new bottle i'm gonna we're gonna do a ritual dance it's like the spirit of the party is gonna infuse me and now it's gonna be all bouncy and inclusive to match our messaging even though the actual policy is the same uh cheese grater to the soul that uh it, we will be subjected to no matter what Man, I gotta say that, that video of uh, of of Schumer saying, "I got I heard about this veteran who lost his job due to COVID and then got his house taken away and killed himself, and how as a result we're going to pr- introduce legislation to require police to require and fund uh, local police to do interve- uh, uh, self harm interventions." I mean this is this is the ratchet effect. It's like you make life unto- intolerable and then conditions of intolerability create uh you know pathologies and then you you put all of your energy into fighting these things that are direct outgrowths of the system. Like look at fucking France. Like look at Macron. Macron is doing one of the most disgusting and cynical fucking pieces of politicking I've seen in a long time. I honestly say more like self-consciously evil than almost anything Trump's done. Uh, so the boy, the boy wonder Macron knows that he is on a knife's edge, that he is like the the the, the pinioned poster man for this this unbridled neoliberal state that is like coming for the French way of life. Like they're fighting, but they're coming for it, and the resistance to that is. It's, it's, mul- it's not polarized a lot, from right to left, culturally. Like there's a big right-wing chug of it, like, like the Front National. And then, you know, you got Melanchon and stuff. And Macron knows that, you know, the French love, love picking somebody to fix this intractable crisis, uh, not do anything, and then get really mad at them and throw them out. And he doesn't want to be that. He doesn't want to be chump bait. So what he is doing is he has decided to declare war on, like, a separatist Islam. Uh, in order to polarize that right-wing populism towards him, and demobil- and and, and, uh, and undermine the 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 risk that, uh, that the National Front and Marine Le Pen, who were, Le Pen was the, the uh, opponent in the last the, the runoff opponent to the winner in the last two presidential elections, and and I think got a significantly larger vote the second time. He saw the writing on the wall, potential the arc of that, and he wanted to interrupt it, very much like Cameron uh, deciding to do a Brexit vote to neutralize UKIP. Cynical manipulation of a cultural problem that is caused by the fact that, uh, I mean, yeah, there's like cultural issues with France in uh, in assimilating anybody, but there's this fundamental, you know, perpetuating uh, uh, neoliberal austerity and specifically the fact that like that French. You know, uh, way of life was never really extended to um, Muslims who came to France, and, and they exist as a economic underclass. And these things cannot and will not be addressed. Instead, you hit the beehive with a stick to get everyone frenzied, to to, to essentially make uh, any kind of class project impossible. And now, like, shit, horrible shit's going to happen. Like, a guy gets killed, a teacher gets killed, there's a tax, and people say, well, look at this. Is this proof he was right? It's like, well, he's right that there is a problem that he literally is completely invested in not doing anything about except to profit from the creation of it, monetizing the rot politically. Someone says, uh, "Do I think that Chappa would have been funnier if Hillary had won?" I know that that's what we thought at the time because we had basically prepared for Hillary winning and had a had an idea what to do with it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, she's very funny, but she's also kind of she's got uh, she's got X Pac heat, you know what I mean? And uh, yes, some of it is some of it is gendered. I'm not. I'm going to admit, but it's not entirely like. Hillary Clinton has a transparent hatred that she hides behind this screen of fakeness that is so revolting to me anyway. and yes, it's probably gendered to a degree, but it's it's I feel it like resonating like off of like my feelings. And I don't know if that would have like made it less amazing over time or if that would have made it funnier, I don't know. Uh, I do think we did pretty good making fun of giving the business to the old uh, orange uh, the old m- the old mango Mussolini. The old Cheeto in Chief, uh, the saffron, uh, the saffron satrap—I don't know—but uh, we're going to find out if making fun of you know the uh, the wokeification of neoliberalism uh will be as funny i mean i do think that the 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 hairpin turn that's going to happen with the maximalist rhetoric around around uh, around identity issues that has been whipped up like the notion that we are in this like hellhole of white supremacy that requires immediate revolution and that you can't reform this i think that is going to pop and watching the fallout from that is going to be uniquely entertaining And seeing the entire media try to act like not only is this decrepit old man uh, some sort of uh, civil rights icon and uh, a and, uh, slay queen, but uh, that he's not mentally incapacitated. Because you've got to figure, he's, they're not going to be able to do... I mean, Trump proved that you don't actually have to do anything to be president. I mean, he watched TV all day. Like, they could put him in front of a TV. It wouldn't even have to be on. But... Um, but you still have to give speeches, you know, and you still have to do semi-regular contact just to, to, like, shape the narrative because, you know, you're the one everyone looks to. And that's going to be a lot of stress on the brake pads. He's going to be smoking. And you'll have an entire... And the media will be very funny to watch, to watch these guys who spent the last four years you know, doing the whole uh, in- resistance insurgents thing. You know, uh, dissent is patriotic. Uh, deciding that the deep state, uh, that the that the police, uh, the police power of the United States is now legitimate. Oh man, that's gonna be funny. It, Joe, Biden was pretty sharp in the debates, I, so, although. The first one, he was really blown off the blocks by Trump. And then he had a very hard time uh, centering his like, stream of consciousness. I don't know. It's like, he, next to Trump, I guess it's okay. But he really does get... He can. You see in his eyes, he doesn't know where he is, I guess I would say. And that happened multiple times during the debates. Like you could, there, there would always... There's there these moments when you know, you're arguing, it's like, answer the question. And uh, somebody will, like, have to be like, wait, what was the question? Because, you know, it was a long clause. He would have those moments, but you could tell it wasn't about what the question was. It was, like, deeper than that. It was, where am I? What is this? Like, he was having to go... He was having to, like, collect himself more than just, what question were you asking? Like, there's no... There's no adherence to anything other than the very narrow tunnel in front of him. He has this way that he, like, tries to name three things, and by the third one, he just runs out of gas. He was talking about how uh, Trump is inciting racial uh, hatred and he goes praising Charlottesville uh, telling them they're very fine people building a wall telling Mexicans rapists just going out there and doing all kinds of stuff I can't get to a third specific example can't actually engage beyond just the most capaciously nerf-like sentences and and uh and phrases that just it's like a it's like somebody getting like a, a diamond ring in a giant box filled with pe- packing peanuts like there's like the actual the actual content of the sentences he says even in a debate where people said he was good are just these tiny little kernels and it's just the rest of it's just p- uh peanut packing peanuts and i don't know how that gets better <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if they try to have him step down depending on how like the the whole operation goes i mean maybe maybe dr jill biden is the 21st century edith wilson maybe she's able to lock that shit down her and like uh, her hand-picked chief of staff are able to lock it down i don't know maybe the obamas take over maybe Rahm Emanuel is the man maybe the clintons somehow stage a fucking comeback like uh hillary sneaks in disguised as a uh, as an intern I do not think that he will run for re-election, that's for sure. As funny as that would be. And I also have to say, though, like... Whatever adrenochrome-based therapies they have for these guys work well, because before the, primary, before the uh, convention, I was half-convinced, and a few times was able to fully convince myself, that they were going to try to switch him out because he was transparently not up for the job. I think eventually they realized that COVID kind of covered for a lot of it, and they were able to reserve him. They were able to keep him like, on the battery saver mode in a way they wouldn't have been able to do. I mean, he didn't really do a basement. He was out and about, but like they were able to curtail it in a way they wouldn't have been able to do if it was a normal election. Uh... And I didn't. Maybe I didn't anticipate that how how well that would go in terms of not hurting his polling. Like I kind of my assumption was is him not being out there was going to hurt his polling. But nope, turns out he's the alternative. All these things are set. All this stuff's baked in. Nobody's really considering moment to moment changes really, other than at the margins. And those people aren't really paying attention to you know how much he talks and what he sounds like and his or his record or anything like that. He's just the not Trump option, which I think is going to be the more popular option. And so they got him through. They're going to get them through Election Day. I don't know the rigors of the office. Like I said, it might not be rigorous, but it's going to be a question of the power dynamic that emerges in the White House. And that's the thing I can't know. So once again, I'm, see, I'm still, I'm still predicting things. I'm still fucking predicting things. I said after the election, though. So the election still happened. It hasn't happened yet. I'm getting it out of my system. I'm trying to use this week to squeeze all the fucking toothpaste out of my tube and leave me a dry husk. You know, I thought the, I think Jim Carrey's uh, Joe Biden impression is actually a decent impression of Joe Biden. Like, he kind of has the same croaky voice and... Uh, and... Uh... Like some of the same intonations as him, the difference is is that he is much more coherent than Joe Biden, which is why it's not a funny impression. And the reason it's 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 not good as like an impression for something like SNL is because impressions are supposed to exaggerate things to make them funny. Instead, what Jim Carrey has done is he has taken all the absurd things about Joe Biden and sanded them down into a less terrifyingly uh, uh, incoherent, uh, like like a uh, uh, friendly grandfather. Like, they literally had him do uh, uh, the Fred Robinson, uh, did, uh, Fred Robinson, uh, the, the Mr. Rogers shit with the fucking, like, they're, they're, they're not trying to say, wow, isn't that, they're trying to, like, enforce that. That's manufacturing consent because the SNL writers are, and cast are in, a, in an unprecedented fashion uh, just clearly doing propaganda on behalf of the Biden campaign because they literally brought a guy in Who's known for doing big, wacky, exaggerated uh, s- stuff to do a version where Joe Biden is boringly coherent, and maybe he'll just maybe he maybe he wanders off a little bit, Grandpa. But you know, at the end of the day, he's still he's still sharp as attack. He's spry. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's serving a campaign function. Of course, maybe it's just the fact that like they already don't really exaggerate anything about Trump uh, for. Uh, Baldwin, but that's because you can't exaggerate Trump. I think you can exaggerate Biden, or you could at least not do the opposite of humor. (laughs) With the character, like, at least they're trying to be funny with Trump. They're deliberately not being funny with the Biden impression. They're putting their fucking thumb on the scale. And the thing is, it's like, if you're a conservative, I can see why that's alienating and allows you to feel like you're oppressed. And if you're not oppressed, but I can understand why seeing, like, all of the TV stations, of which we only have a, a finite number, all the things that have, like, a, a, a cachet of mainstream culture and are accessible across, like, a broad demographic, are, are all in alignment against you. And I mean, that's why they give. I can see why they go crazy over it. Yeah, like, uh, that's why the good impressions of Trump, uh, not mine, because I do try to exaggerate it, but I'm trying to just, like, do a soul. I'm just trying to do a soul impression. People are trying to, like, make it sound like him. You can't make it sound like him more and make it funnier. You can just sound like him, and then it's what you talk about. And it's just doing a. It's, it's having his words come out of the mouth of someone else. And about something else. Folks, can't do it. He's so good. Scooby Doo! He's dooby doo, but he doesn't do. I have kept up with the good Lord Bird. Still have not warmed to it. Uh, I guess I see what it's trying to do. It's not terrible. I just haven't really found it terribly engaging. Like, forgetting any ideological or historical issues with it, I have found a lot of, uh, just the stuff isn't very interesting. I mean, it just is not it doesn't interest me as a, uh, gloss on the material, which, you know, I'm familiar with. Like, I'm not really learning a lot here, so it's an interpretation, and I'm not really grabbing, it's nothing that grabs me. The come, lord bird, come on. That's... Chat, come on. I think we're better than that. Very, very crude. Fargo, uh, ooh, terrible. Really bad. Uh, uh, yeah. Pretty impressively bad. No, this season is bad. Hush up. Sprinkles, not Jimmy's. I'm not a Southerner. I'm not a South Ron. I don't know. There's like nothing I like about. Like, the Fargo season, I don't like the heavy-handed way that it plays its, uh, its themes. I don't like a lot of the performances. That Like, the, the, the Italian brother is like he's in a silent movie. And just, Chris Rock is not a good actor and never has been. He's a stand-up comedian. And the characters aren't interesting. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Trump wins, revolution? No. (laughs) To put it lightly, no. The one thing I know is that if Trump wins, it will be by stealing it, but that no matter how, if he successfully steals it, it will be uh, not uh, metabolized as a coup. It will have a patina, a fig leaf of legitimacy enough so that as outraged as people get, they will, for the most part, talk themselves off of the precipice of doing anything about it. Because, at the end of the day, they are relatively comfortable. Only in the sense that they would perceive their precarity more than anything they could win out of some sort of apocalyptic confrontation with the state. But I think that uh, anything that would like actually look like a coup to the point where it could not be metabolized, you know, uh, just canceled election, guns in the streets, that kind of thing, They wouldn't do that. Like I said, the forces that would do that are not invested in Trump enough to do it on his behalf, so it won't happen. Wisconsin uh, fascinating place so Crucial Waukesha County as it's called is one of the GOP strongholds in Wisconsin it is the county directly west of Milwaukee and it is the white flight uh, headquarters Uh, it is where everybody went in the 60s uh, uh, once uh, the blockbusting within city neighborhoods was uh, successful and they are uh, very concerned about public transit out there. They really don't like the extension of bus lanes. They really don't like the idea of any kind of oh, metropolitan rail system. We had a uh, we had a ma- mayor of Milwaukee who was like kind of a mini uh, daily there. He th- we was got, he was mayor for like sixteen years. His, his machine ran the city. His name was uh, uh, Norquist. And his single policy objective of his fucking 16 years in office was to extend some sort of light rail system connecting the suburbs to the city and it was the providing political project of the generation of politicians that Scott Walker emerged out of actually the guys around Mike, Mark Belling and uh, like the talk radio and, uh, and uh, like Waukesha County Republican uh, uh, political uh, leader you know uh, formation uh, and and they vote a lot they vote their votes come in suspiciously late sometimes uh and they off they often form the uh the margin in in a lot of like off year races and stuff like uh like especially Supreme Court, which is lamentably- v- elected in Wisconsin, which means for a long time uh the right wing uh would just buy it by uh spending more on ads. Then the Democrats could raise, once again, because they know the stakes. And um, but yeah, it's very racialized, as you could imagine. Milwaukee being one of the most violently segregated big cities in America, I think number one by many metrics. I, I went to college there, but of course, like it's been uh, diversifying a little bit recently. The irony of irony is there uh, for me is that so Waukesha was originally a resort town. It had a, it had a, a, a system of a hot springs, so people would come and take the waters. Uh, and Albert Parsons, actually, one of the uh, Haymarket martyrs after the Haymarket bombing, fled Chicago and he was hiding out in M- Waukesha uh, before he turned himself in. But uh, there was a, uh, like a, a water war. With uh, Chicago over the waters, the hot springs from Waukesha. It it saw, like, armed confrontations over people uh, digging pipelines. And now, 100 years later, not only are the springs all gone, or I sure as hell don't know if there's anywhere you can go and take them, if you can, uh, but the water table is contaminated with radon. And they want access to Milwaukee's water. The place that they fled, the county right next to the lake that has access and and privilege to lake water, thanks to the Great Lakes Compact, which is to prevent uh, any areas outside the immediate contact area of the Great Lakes from accessing it in the coming thirsty times. And now they want, hey, you know, we like fled and took all of our uh, tax money with us and, you know, created a hyper-segregated social corridor sanitaire that we've heavily policed. Could we get some of your water, please? Ours is all gross. Well, the water war is between places that currently have access to Great Lakes and places that want it. Like, for example, fucking Arizona. Arizona wants Great Lakes water. And the Great Lakes Compact is a, is a regional agreement to prevent that from happening. But yeah, I don't think that's going to stop it from getting uh, privatized and, and purchased at some point. Guys, I hope everybody's excited for tomorrow. I hope everybody's ready to take a fucking uh, potato peeler to their frontal lobe, one way or the other, metaphorically, uh, by observing and absorbing and having wash over you the results of our magnificent democratic pageant. Uh, we will probably—I kind of think—we will not—we will not have a call. There will be no check mark. There will be no call on election night because I think the the media is so neurotically fixated on not accidentally helping Trump fucking do a coup that they're not going to do that. Uh, but I think that you will probably know before you go to bed who won. If it's Biden. That would be my prediction. And I would say that since I think, like I said, I think 9